You guys, you are in for such a treat today. My friend Blake from Confessions of a Crappy Christian Podcast is such a firecracker, like I told her on this episode, and she is filled with wisdom and boldness, and she is unashamed to share that with the world. This discussion began as one where we were addressing difficult people and the consistent rhetoric that we were reminded of in the church to forgive 70 times 7, to turn the other cheek. These are good and righteous things. We are not dismissing that. But as we dug in to the conversation about toxic and harmful relationships, we wanted to remind you of some necessary truths that we don't feel are talked about enough. Jesus was bold. Jesus sailed away, and one of the reasons for that was because so many people were against him. He was hated by many. So in today's episode, we're addressing all of that and encouraging those of you who may have been hurt again and again and again. We're talking about the difference between difficult and harmful relationships and what to do in those situations. We each share our own personal stories about some pretty damaging, hurtful relationships and how those have played out in our lives. Blake is a writer, podcaster, and coach who equips and encourages women to use their God-given gifts to the glory of God. And in celebration, her first book of two is going to be released in 2022. And I am so excited for that because I believe that Blake's got some stuff to say and I want to hear it. (laughs) So I am really excited. If you guys are new to the Living Easy podcast, Blake and I find common ground in sharing the real and the raw and talking about those hard topics that make people a little bit uncomfortable, but always with a gospel foundation. My heart is always to be as vulnerable as I can be in my marriage, in my motherhood, in my faith, because I believe when we keep those things inside, they only hold us in bondage. But there is freedom when we're open about our mess. And you guys, I've got a whole lot of mess up in here, so I can talk about it for days. But God is so good in my life, and I want to share that hope that He's given me and that comfort that He's given me to you guys as you listen. So if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to some other episodes, um, my testimony episode is messy as it gets, but that is episode 30. I have some other popular episodes, Six Ways Your Phone is Changing You and What to Do About It. And this talks about our phone addiction and how it affects the people that we love and our own minds dealing with difficult in-laws. And also my episode on sex and communication with my husband is a popular topic as well. But feel free to scroll through, do subscribe, and you'll be notified every Monday when a new episode comes out. But let's jump into today's episode. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. I'm so so thrilled to be here with you all today. We actually just got back from Disney World 
yesterday. So the best way to jump in to getting back to work and just back to the fun is to be talking to my friend Blake from Crappy Christian, and she's here to talk about hard people. So I think we can all relate. Hey, Blake. Lindsay, hey, I'm so excited to be here. So I was on Blake's podcast, and we had such a good conversation, kind of have similar paths a little bit. Yep. So talk a little bit about Crappy Christian. How did it come to life and what are you working on right now? Confessions of a Crappy Christian was the original kind of beginning of the Crappy Christian quote unquote co, but it started as a little baby podcast in December of 2018, where I had just kind of gotten disillusioned with female Christianity on the internet. It all felt so like curated and picture perfect. And nobody was talking about the hard stuff that I was walking through. You know, I I had postpartum depression and anxiety and I had two really small kids and I was drowning and I didn't even really like my husband. And I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. And I just was struggling to find anybody that mirrored that online. And so one of my life mantras has kind of always been, if you can't find it, make it. And yeah, so I made, yeah, like kind of carved this corner of the internet out. And over the last two years, it's grown to be something that's allowed me to, you know, leave my full-time job and stay home and write and record and do stuff like this. And so we are just signed a two book book deal with Tyndale. And I'm, so I'm writing. I know. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like so excited. When I saw that, Blake, I was just so thrilled for you because I genuinely am excited to read what you have to say. Oh. I know it's going to be some good, honest stuff. So I'm so happy for you. Thank you. You're That's welcome. the highest praise. It's morphed into, we have courses and coaching and, you know, online resources for people. And it's just crazy to look back that this time, two years ago, we were just kind of trying to get this little baby podcast off the ground. So it's awesome. Well, Blake and I connected a little bit recently over a difficult relationship. And I saw something that you had posted, Blake, and I reached out and said, been there if you need to talk. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of our world of podcasting and kind of being in a public sphere, you give people the opportunity to criticize maybe, even though that's not what we do it for at all. (laughs) But you also kind of put yourself out there. And the thing that I have found, and I voiced this even before, is that the people closest to us sometimes maybe have the hardest time with what we do. And I always think of the verse, and I can't bring it to mind right now, but something along the lines of you'll, you can't be a prophet in your own town. And mm-hmm. I have realized that, that when people know you, when they're up close with you, they have a harder time taking maybe your ministry seriously. And I've even given friends permission, like, hey, don't follow along with me. If you want to just know me face to face and not what I'm posting, totally fine. But sometimes it's hard when you don't have the support of people that you expect to have it from. And then it collides into this difficult friendship. And so I've talked on the podcast before so many times about difficult friendships because the tendency in our lives is to want to give up and to say, Mm -hmm. forget it. And all the memes that we see on social media basically say, if it's too hard, let it go or yada, yada. And there are some where we don't really have a choice, but we do have thorns in our lives that sanctify us. So can you talk maybe just a little bit about your experience of what was difficult for you and kind of how you navigated through the process of healing and trying to reconcile So I think a really important distinction to make before we even dive in is that that there is a difference between difficult people and toxic people. Yeah. So difficult people are just hard to love. They're hard to live with or, you know, it's just just not easy. And scripture is chock full of instruction on how to love those people and how to abide with them and, you know, shoulder their burdens and that they aren't people that are just meant to be cast off and like, oh, you're too difficult. I'm moving on because we're all difficult at some point in different seasons. And if we all treated one another that way, then we would all just be disposable to each other. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I am so blessed to have had the 
two same best friends since I was 12 years old. We met in junior high and we have walked through all, we stood in all three of each other's weddings. We have been there when we all had our collective four, five, six, seven, eight babies, you know, and (laughs) we've walked through a ton of life together and we've grown apart and we've grown back together Mm. and we've taken turns being difficult and being wrong and being unlovable and one of the greatest gifts in my life is, you know, the three of, we do like a supper club once a month because our, our husbands are all friends and our kids are all friends. And every time we're together, we can't help but look back at the really cool, beautiful things we've walked through, but also the times where we like didn't talk and didn't like each other, you know? And so there is a beautiful kind of strength that comes from enduring life with difficult people. But my concern is that the church in our love your enemies, love one another, turn the other cheek, do not repay evil for evil theology is that we have created a culture of acceptance of toxicity, Mm. which isn't something that Jesus ever exemplified. Mm. Jesus had really strong boundaries with people. And I think just because he willingly went to the cross and died for our sins, doesn't mean that he just took crap from people Mm -hmm. all the time. And as believers, we're not educated. Genuinely, we are not educated on how to decipher toxic people from difficult people, from you know people who are our enemies, from people who are just hard to love. And yeah. I want to see more, you know, specifically women, because dudes are like dudes, like yeah. they're fine, whatever. <laughs> Get but, over it you know, so fast. Like, yeah, like those deep female friendships, you know, one of the definitions, one of my favorite authors, Gary Thomas, says toxic people, while you are pursuing the kingdom of God and using your gifts for those things, they're trying to undercut you. They're trying to keep you from doing the things that that God has called you to do. And that's so hard. And walking away from those people, especially if you are invested or have spent any, you know, extensive amount of time loving them is really, really hard. And it it can circle back to what you were saying of, you know, that can't be a prophet in your own town, that that Jesus, you know, that verse continues on to say that Jesus was a stranger mm-hmm. in his own town. And that can be really hard. And it doesn't have to just apply to podcasting or blogging or right. having a presence on the internet. You know, that can be Business, business success. Yeah. It can be personal success. It can look like anything, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and Blake, before we even started this conversation, we were talking about competitiveness and how mm-hmm. a sense of competition can really bring the ugly out in people. And on this podcast, I spoke with Quinn, who is a Christian therapist. And we talked about jealousy on one of the episodes. And it was such a good conversation, but we both talked about how we have to really die to self a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and celebrate, like really follow through with rejoicing with those who rejoice, even when we don't want to. But sometimes that doesn't happen for us. So if you want to divulge your situation and the difference between maybe that toxicity and the difficulty, just further elaborate on that. I've lost multiple friendships in the last few years to different, different reasons, different, you know, they've all kind of ended differently. And I am never going to be the person that says I didn't play a part because I am imperfect and I am flawed and I am an Enneagram 8. Friendship does not always come easily to me. But I have also had someone look me dead in the eyes and say, I just don't understand why I have to watch you succeed and achieve your dreams while I sit on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And that kind of being a catalyst for the ending of that friendship, that is a punch to the gut. And then it's a punch to the gut every single time you think about it after the fact, just because you are running your race and running in your lane and doing things to the glory of God and finding success in those things and doing your best to cheer other people on in whatever their lane looks like. And try to extend this to other women as well. Like that is not something to apologize for. Mm-hmm. It's not something to be sorry about. Now, can running a race, even to the glory of God, cloud your vision and make you selfish and 
make you forget to look side to side and love the other people who are running alongside you well? Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And those are things that we need to be humble enough to apologize for and say, I'm going to be better and then actually be better. I mean, I can look back confidently and say that that wasn't the situation. situation. That wasn't what happened. And there's a certain amount of grieving that comes from those experiences of losing people because if I'm being totally honest, like without going like too far vulnerable, I mean, there have been times where I've like laid in my husband's arms and cried over the loss of friendship and said, if growing my ministry means I'm going to keep losing people, I don't want to do this. Yeah is this worth it? You know, and, and he's super wise and grounded Mm. and always, you know, reminds me that yes, furthering the kingdom of God is always worth it. And that there, you know, there sometimes you just can't take them with you. And sometimes you don't get to take people with you because they don't want to come. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know it's been kind of a heavy season for you in that way. And I, as we talked about private prior, have faced similar circumstances. And so I really love that we're talking about this. And I love that you included everyone because I fully agree with you in the differentiation between you know, putting yourself out there for hard people. And I love that you talked about your friendships. And I want to circle back, back to that for a second because I have had friendships very similar where we've been friends since we were four, five, six years old. And I am so thankful to have them in my life because it's rare, you know, to find people who will know you as well as those people. Like they know the depths of you and yet they still love you. And I love that you use the word disposable because I think we can all be disposable to each other. We're sinful, we're broken. There are so many things I've done in my friendships that have created dissension, that have created division, that I have failed them. You know, I fell Mm -hmm. so short. I always say on the podcast, I'm a runner. Like if something gets hard, even with someone I've known for 15 years, I can shut off and be like, okay, Mm -hmm. moving along. Is that Mm -hmm. the heart of Christ? Absolutely not. But these friendships, I'm thankful that they kind of fight for me when I do that. And then I've been able to fight for them. And so I do want to hone in on that a little bit, just the difficult people part, the sinful people part, not the toxic people Mm -hmm. part, where I have friendships where it's like, gosh, Lord, this is so much work. Like this, Mm -hmm. why is this so much work? Why can't it come easily? But I can say coming out of the other side of a 24-year friendship, multiple, that it's so worth that fight. It really is. Just because they have a different personality type and they were raised differently than you and they have different experiences, that is enough reason to fight for that because they then pour into us, right? Mm -hmm. And so making sure that, yes, in those instances, we are loving one another. We are faithfully pursuing their heart and trying to understand and compromise and not just throwing hands up in the air or fighting hard. I so strongly believe in, in intentionally working for those friendships. Now, moving along to the hard I just want to hear your heart and what do you do then? I have somebody who comes to mind who is very close. It is this constant battle of, okay, Lord, I want to make this work so badly. But yet Mm -hmm. every time we have a conversation, it turns so so bad and it's toxic and it's, there's verbal abuse and criticism and passive aggression And what's your insight on that, especially as you've walked through it? How have you coped? How have you walked through and what's your process? So I'm right there with you. I've literally had a situation where every single time I left this person's presence, I was calling my husband crying Mm -hmm. because they just said such hurtful mean things. You know, it's those people that you walk away going, am I the worst? Am I actually like you're questioning? Am I the worst? Because they obviously think I'm the worst. Maybe I am. And I used to be a runner 
I used to be a, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. Like my college years, Mm. there were, I can look back and see a lot of friendships like that. But as I, you know, got married and became a mom, I kind of, I have a tendency to really swing on a pendulum and be all one way or all the other way. And so, (laughs) right, exactly. And so I swung very hard into the, I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to stay in. I'm going to stick it out. And that can turn into becoming a battering ram Mm -hmm. for people that can turn into becoming a punching bag. And I just really don't think that that's what Jesus has for us. This can sometimes be unpopular. My people know to expect this kind of language from me because I say this kind of stuff all the time. But Jesus walked away from toxic people. Jesus walked away from people who were out to hurt him before his time to go to the cross. Mm -hmm. He got on boats and sailed across bodies of water. He left cities. He refused to let people physically or verbally or spiritually or mentally abuse him. Mm -hmm. And there are literally a litany of scriptures that prove that and back that up. And like I was saying- And he called people on their sin immediately. Yeah. He called people on their sin to pull them up. Right, right, right. To call them out. And that heart position can be difficult to get into, especially when you're hurt. Mm -hmm. It can be a lot easier to call people out than to call them up. But I just really think that there is a time and a place where it's time to walk away. And for me, honestly, my husband has now twice had to be the one that says, I need you to put this down. I I can't keep watching you get punched in the face, knocked to the ground, get up and do it again. I mean, there was literally a situation where I left someone's presence that I was talking about earlier, called him crying for the who even know time. And he literally said, this has to be over. We can't do this anymore. And I know that that's not everybody's experience. I know that people, different people, like you were saying, you, oh, this is hard. I'm out. But I do think that as believers specifically, we have that turn the other cheek forgive 70 times seven Mm -hmm. drilled into our minds so much that we're not taught. Like I was saying that Jesus, literally the dude got on a boat and sailed away because people were trying to hurt him. Yeah. I would like to be taught both, please. (laughs) Like, and those scriptures of do not pay evil for evil or turn the other cheek. Those are about retaliation and reciprocation. So it's not that you like flip everybody the bird and then get on the boat and yeah. fly, you know and, and sail away. You know, we we are as Christians called to a higher road of not needing to get revenge and believing believing that God will defend us. But again, like this is making the distinction that this is not just for difficult people, but this is the person that every time you leave their presence, you are crying and you have tried to talk to them about it multiple times and nothing changes. Like this is your permission slip to walk away. Yeah. Just walk away. Two points that you touched on. One, your husband's leadership in this. I really love that you bring that up because my husband, I would use the exact same words, wise and grounded. Very calm and collected when I can be emotional and uptight, maybe a lot more than I would like to admit. When these moments happen and these friendships that I'm like, gosh, okay, here I am again, you know, this situation, there's one I can think of. I'm not even going to get into it, but it was brutal and it was repetitive. And I kept Mm -hmm. just saying, okay, all right, be the bigger person, fight for this, show love, show love, show love. And I did. And I'd get knocked to the ground and beaten to a pulp. It was exactly as you're saying, Blake, I'm questioning myself. And I knew I was being honest in this situation and I was being accused of something. I'm like, gosh, I know I'm telling the truth and I'm literally being gaslighted and thinking, did I do this? Like unknowingly, I would walk back to my husband. Gaslighting is such a good way to say it. Yeah, I mean, and it's a very real thing. I just kind of learned that terminology like this in 2020, but it's something I see in people a lot, not just in my life, but outside. But having my husband to sit back and to say, okay, here's where we're at. I am not going to continue to allow this. Not that he's dictating my life, but he loves me so much that he says, I want good for you. And he's all about love and he's like self-proclaimed peacemaker. But when he sees this continual habitual problem, he steps in. And one thing I've shared on here 
is there have been conversations with people where he will actually get my phone and these are mostly like family issues and Mm -hmm. say, Hey, you're going to communicate through me now because this isn't going anywhere. There's been years of miscommunication, years of issues. So you talk to me and then we can all make something happen. And he kind of has handled that with friendships sometimes. I mean, when it gets to a point that it's necessary and we'll just say, Hey, let me call her husband. Mm -hmm. Like, let's hash this out. Let's all four meet together and have these conversations if we need to get there. But this one specifically turned into me just saying, you know, I, I ended it with, okay, I love you. This is like the third time this has happened, but I'm going to call you. We're going to work through it. And I prayed and I felt very specifically the Lord saying, you're mm-hmm. not going to put yourself in this position again. Nothing fruitful will come of this. You're living peaceably with her so far as it depends on you, like your call to in Romans 12, but it's not going anywhere but downhill. And so mm-hmm. you need to step away. And so I love that you bring that up because there are those wise people, whether you're married or not, the wise people in your life who love the Lord are pointing you to the Mm -hmm. Lord. You know that their intentions for you are best, but you have the ability to listen to them and know, okay, you want good for me and you're seeing that this is messy and you're giving me that counsel. And so I just encourage our listeners in those moments, like listen Mm -hmm. to that wise counsel. Would you agree? Oh, a hundred percent. And even if what they're saying sounds like wrong, no, the Bible says 70 times seven and turn the other cheek. I got to keep doing this. And he's like, no, you don't. And my husband is the same way. He is a peacemaker. He has yeah. gone to bat for friendships for me and actually encouraged, me to stay yeah. in it, encourage me to stay in it. And, and when they are that way, he has therefore earned the right to call it, to be like, I can't watch you do this anymore. And there is a certain amount of submission and humility required on our part to be able to listen to that, to know that they have our best interests in mind and kind of walk out what they're saying. And the, the second thing you touched on is being responsible for our actions. I think when someone pushes our buttons enough, right? because they are hurtful and they're harmful Mm -hmm. to our lives. We tend to respond because we're sinful human beings with anger. I tell this to my friends, like when I walk into heaven, I don't want to be drawn into your drama of someone else's relationship. And not that I don't want to counsel and help, but when it's like, you need to hate her because I hate her type of perspective. Mm -hmm. Not that Mm -hmm. I have friends who really ask that of me, but I used to. And I realize no, like I'm not responsible for that relationship. Like I'm walking into heaven and I don't want to carry all of that on my back. And it's kind of the same thing. When you have these toxic relationships, it can be really easy for us, I think, to want to talk about it. And you guys will notice in this episode, we're not naming names, we're not being specific, but it can lead you to sin because you're Mm -hmm. so frustrated. As a natural result of dealing with these hard people, have you battled in your flesh the desire to talk and kind of like allow that sin to take over your flesh and how do you deal with that? One of the friendship fallouts, we'll call it, was a little bit almost public. We had a very public friendship. There was a noticeable gap when that friendship ended to the point that people were DMing me. Hey, did something happen with so-and-so? Which is the worst. Like I understand that we're naturally curious and we're invested in these people that we follow's lives, but... It makes me feel bad for like Bieber (laughs) and Selena on a massive scale. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So there did come a point where I kind of, hey, this is the elephant in the room. No, this person and I are no longer friends. Mm. We are no longer business partners. This is not up for discussion. This is not a conversation. You can ask me questions until the cows come home. We're not talking about it, period, end of sentence. Because it had gotten to the point where I just had to, I needed to acknowledge it. I needed to acknowledge like, yes, this happened. Yes, we're not friends anymore, the end. But with all of that said... I am not naturally a retaliation person because (laughs) my husband always jokes that like, once I'm done, 
I'm done. Like I will persevere with you and I will like try to shoulder your burdens with you. And I can take a lot of heat, but once you push me to that point and I am done, like this sounds really extreme, but it's kind of like a, you're dead to me. Like there is the emotions, like you have lost all rights. The wall is up. Like you actually can't hurt me anymore. So, and I don't say this, I have plenty of other flaws, like so many. (laughs) Same. Actually like find the need to retaliate, you know, like tell them what's Mm. going on to get them on my side. But not everybody is hardwired that way. And there are people that that is just the natural expression of hurt for them is to feel that support. Yeah, like get little jabs in mm-hmm. or pull people to their sides or what whatever that could look like. Just talking about this in really general terms, you know, so if we're putting people in kind of two camps, natural retaliators and natural non-retaliators, that scripture is super clear. Like be angry and do not sin. Yeah. It doesn't say don't get mad and don't sin. God knew when he created us that there were going to be things that made us angry. Right. There's righteous anger. There's righteous indignation. And there are things that just piss us off yeah. that aren't even like righteous adjacent. But what is important is that we don't sin. So if you're not a natural retaliator and the person that you are having this conflict with is, and they're posting about it on Instagram or they're talking to all of your friends about it, you can feel very entitled to hitting back. Yeah. Oh, like you want to go? We can go. I'm always like, wrong girl, wrong day. It's that sense of violation of your privacy, I think is a big part of it. Yeah. You know, like, um, are you serious? Like I haven't said a word and you're over here like splaying it all over the internet or telling everybody that we know. And I just want to encourage people on both sides of it that you can be angry. You can be hurt that this friendship is ended or this person wronged you or hurt you that stuffing all of that down and acting like it didn't happen is not going to do anybody any good. Be angry, be sad, grieve the loss, feel the things, but just don't let it bleed into your life and become sin. Because that is where you have offended the heart of God. You have so much room to offend and hurt other people. And that just drags this stuff out. Hey all, just a quick break because many of you have asked how you can support this ministry. One thing that you may not know is that the Living Easy podcast reaches far outside of the US. We have listeners in Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, China, and more. The gospel is being spread literally around the world, and you can be a part of that. All you have to do is go to patreon.com backslash living easy to join. You can simply support the ministry with a few dollars a month or 10 cents per day, or you can join the coffee date thing or the bestie thing. With the coffee date thing, I am building real face-to-face friendships with the women who are a part of that community. I get on once a month on Zoom and we talk about real life and faith and marriage and relationships and just chat, real, real conversation. For the bestie thing, I want to support you. I will share one person per month on my social platform to over 40,000 followers and to tens of thousands of email subscribers and allow them to hear about your business or your social platform. So again, just go to patreon.com backslash living easy to check out all of the options. Thanks guys. That's when you become responsible for yourself and your actions. You're not responsible for their sin when they are lashing out, acting out, calling you names, talking, gossiping, venting about you. You're responsible for how you respond to that. And so we can't control our circumstances, but we can control our responses. And like I said, I've had multiple friendship fallouts through my 32 years of life. And there are ones where I look back and I'm like... Ugh, like, oh God, so pain. Like I was the worst. <laughs> I washed my hands of them way too early yeah. or I dropped the ball or I wasn't a good friend. Or after the fact, I talked mad like crap. And, you know, the ones that I can look back and say, man, I tried. I tried mm-hmm. to love them well. I took the high road even when the high road kept me getting punched in the face. 
let me just tell you how much easier it is to look back on those and how much easier it was to heal from them. Because like I was saying, when you get down in the dirt with people, all it does is drag out the battle when all God wants for you is forgiveness and like not letting that person live rent-free in your head. Yeah, I love that terminology. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. And so I want to ask you, how do you decipher when that person goes from difficult to toxic? Because, you know, you have like the difficult in-laws. If you guys haven't heard my difficult in-laws episode, I encourage you to listen to it if that's a struggle in your life. And I receive a lot of messages about, I can't do it anymore. It's awful. And as I dig deeper, sometimes I'm like, "Mm, it's uncomfortable for you, but it is Mm -hmm. not verbal abuse. So how do you decipher between the two? And when is that time to let go? I think... And this is not necessarily theological, but (laughs) I think when you start walking around and realize you have a target on your back, there at least needs to be a conversation. And that conversation is going to be extremely uncomfortable and extremely difficult for both of you. But if you are, and you and I have both kind of communicated this, if you are walking away from a majority of your experiences with someone feeling like you got punched in the face and feeling like they've put a target on your back. It is your responsibility from the, you know, the outline of biblical conflict that we have been given in Matthew to sit down and try to talk to that person. That sucks. I'm just going to like go ahead and tell you that sucks. Yeah. I always (laughs) tell people, I'm like, you're going to hate this part, especially somebody like me. I've talked about I am not confrontational at all. I cringe and I would rather just curl up in my bed and cry to my husband than actually Mm -hmm. deal with it. But that is a huge thing that the Lord has worked through me in is I have to now. I have Mm -hmm. this angst in my heart if I don't go and have a conversation when something's awry. It usually takes me a couple days to get my emotions in check. And that's wise. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, it turns out bad. Yeah. To not go into (laughs) it, you can't go into it hyper emotionally. You know, express how you feel and how you're hurt and what you're struggling with, but you cannot go and like, you know, bleed all over this person. Like, you've got to kind of, when I talk about, you know, hurt and friendships and friendship breakups, I use a lot of like wound terminology. Mm -hmm. So like you have to tend to that wound a little bit. You got to like quell the bleeding a little bit. And that may look like crying in your husband's arms about it Mm -hmm. and letting him speak truth over you or your best friend or whatever. You need to quell the bleeding because if you don't, you're just going to end up bleeding on everybody. I fully agree. And I think it allows me also time to really evaluate my own heart. Okay, I definitely could have said that better. I was emotionally driven in that conversation. And when I approach them, this I just think honestly displays humility, displays the heart of Jesus. Not that I'm good at it, but it's something I feel like I've been trained up in is to approach the conversation with an apology if I've done something wrong initially. I am sorry for my actions. I am sorry for what I've done, not justifying their behavior. My apology does not justify their behavior. My -hmm. apology takes ownership of my actions and I can go into it kind of setting the tone, leveling off the defensiveness and saying, I'm acknowledging now I am imperfect. I'm acknowledging that Mm -hmm. I fail in this relationship too So I apologize for this. However, I want to address a few of these issues that I feel were hurtful to me. I have felt like that has been really helpful to me in my communication. And it's so interesting. I did a little reel on Instagram and I received a lot of messages from people who said, I've actually never learned how to apologize. That's bizarre to me, but I understand because when you grow up in a home where they don't apologize or that's not exemplified to you, yeah. It can be really challenging. But going to that person, like I always say, if it is a healthy relationship, it almost always ends up better when you're done yes. with that conversation. Yes. And you're thankful. And even if, even if it's not a healthy relationship, you can still be the one that comes to it with a posture of humility yes. and apology. And one of the other things that I've learned is almost... And there's a way to do this without taking responsibility away from the other person. And I know some people hate that, like, help me understand terminology, but people aren't awful to you just for fun. 
Like there's a reason. It's their own pain. It's their own trauma, their own emotional baggage. It can be something that you had no idea you were triggering in them. And so it's your responsibility to stop the bleeding a little bit. Yeah. Go to that person. If you know off the top of your head what you need to apologize for, start lead by apologizing for it. Going beyond just, hey, you did this and it hurt me. But like, help me understand why. Good. Where did this come from? Yeah. What is this about? But here's the hard thing. You can do that and nothing changes. Mm-hmm. You can do that twice. And nothing changes and you end up crying in a Chick-fil-A parking lot because they just ripped you apart Mm -hmm. in the play place. I think that this is not a Bible verse. (laughs) This is a (laughs) disclaimer. Quote, (laughs) disclaimer, not a Bible verse. But the best apology is changed behavior. Mm, That which is repentance. Exactly. If you've sat down with this person face to face multiple times and they don't hear you, you know, I had situations where I've actually had situations where they, I'm like laying my heart out. This is how I feel like you don't care about my feelings in this situation. And they literally like start talking about something else. Yeah. And you're like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? What I don't want people to take away from this conversation, Lindsay, is for people to be like, well, I'm done. I'm out. I'm done with these people. But I do want to give people the freedom to to evaluate. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Christian women have been given, like have been equipped to walk away from toxic situations because, and I know I'm kind of monologuing here, but this is why this is so important to me. At the Last Supper... Jesus, I think it might be Mark's account of the Last Supper. Jesus has basically called out, you know, one of you is going to betray me. Yeah. And, you know, they do the whole, is it me, Jesus? Is it me, Jesus? Have you seen that TikTok? Yeah. That one cracks me up. <laughs> is it me, Jesus? Is it me, Jesus? Do you have and a TikTok? One, like, I was looking I for don't. you. Oh, okay, okay. I don't have a TikTok, but okay. I people like move their TikToks over to Reels. Yeah. And that one slays me every time. <laughs> but... You know, so they're doing that whole thing and he turns to Judas and he says, go do what you're going to do and do it quickly. Mm-hmm. And then he turned to the 11 and he delivers the great commission. That is the most impactful scriptures of the gospels is, you know, a new command I have given you love one another, you know, as I have loved you this toxic person that's literally about to hand him over to the people who are going to crucify him. He says, go do what you're going to do. And then he turns and he loves the people who love him. Well, he could have just sat there and been like, can you believe this guy? What a jerk, like all the things I've done for him. And he's going to go, but that's not what Jesus did. He removed this toxicity from his life and he turned and he loved his people. Well, Mm -hmm. and if we are exerting, all of our energy on these people who don't even want good things for us, who are using their energy to undercut us and to hurt us and to make us question who we are and make us feel like crap. We are wasting energy and we are wasting time that could be used loving the people who love us well back in return. And that has been the biggest thing that I have learned when I stopped focusing on these three people who just kept punching me in the face what I ended up doing was turning around saying, oh my gosh, like I have friendships of 20 years. That's unprecedented. People don't have that. I have people who love me well Mm -hmm. and send me flowers and show up. That is what we're missing if we are focused on and taking it from these toxic people. Preach to my soul. And I like (laughs) that you bring up the we're not just telling you guys this to say, okay, we're giving you full permission to like end all relationships that are a struggle. But the thing is, is scripture is very clear with loving one another, forgiving 70 times seven. Like you said, Blake, we hear that all the time. So I think it's just offering a counter perspective to remind you that Jesus was also very bold, that he protected those that he loved. I love that example, Blake. I think that is so good because the amount of energy that those hard relationships suck out of us, really we're pouring out and pouring out and pouring out so that when we get to the easy relationships, we take them for granted because we just say, 
you know what? You're always going to be there. And these people I'm fighting for and they're sucking the life out of me. So I've got to keep showing up and showing up and I'll get back to you, the people who love me well and who serve and who are faithful and pour into my life. I'll get back to you when I have time for you, which becomes so limited. And you look at the life of Jesus, like he had his three, he had his 12, he had his acquaintances technically. Who are those people? Are those three Mm -hmm. people the solid ones who you can pour into and they can pour back in and you love one another well, or are they the people who are sucking the life out of you? So I think just offering that perspective is so good for the church. It's so good for women who tend to kind of be just walked on a lot. It is our responsibility to make sure that those who mean the most of us don't get the least of us. Mm It's a question that I pose on my Instagram all the time is, yeah. are all of your Instagram people getting the most of you and your husband is getting scraps? Mm-hmm. We need to evaluate that. And that translates into our friendships. Yeah. Taking a little turn, one of my last questions is the grief of the loss of the friendship. You mentioned grief and it's hard. Mm-hmm. There's a friend I lost, I don't know, three, four years ago. I still think about them probably once every couple of weeks They just Mm -hmm. pop into my head and I know it's not healthy. I know I don't really want to go there again. It was one of those cutting off was necessary, but it's hard to work through. So how have you worked through the grief of losing your friend and how has your relationship with Jesus impacted you during that time? So grief sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the worst. Friendship breakups are worse than romantic breakups. Mm. Like maybe not divorce, but for but because they've up been with the best friend in your life yeah, for like, so long. Right. Like breaking yeah. up with a best friend is way worse than breaking up with a boyfriend, mm-hmm. I would venture to say. Mm-hmm. But then nobody talks about it because yeah. it's weird and it's uncomfortable and you're trying to protect other people's identities and parts in it. But I really have kind of like adapted and adopted the secular stages of grief mm-hmm. and allowed myself to walk through them. And I think that that's another like really big issue that Christians have is not letting ourselves feel things, you know, and I can remember actually saying to people like, well, I have Jesus, so I should be fine. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus like sweated blood Mm -hmm. in Gethsemane because he was so stressed out about going to the cross. Like when did we think that becoming Christians meant we had to be emotionless or only positive emoting it's like the conversation pray away your anxiety i'm like i tried really hard it didn't work yeah no, zoloft <laughs> yeah. actually zoloft away your anxiety yeah. thank you very much <laughs> but i think after the second like really big friendship loss what happened was it triggered the first one because I hadn't dealt with it. I had just stuffed it down. I'm fine. I don't need to talk about it. Let's just move on. And so it happens again, right? I have somebody just like walk out of my life and it triggers all the old stuff. And that's just going to keep happening until you process and welcome God into grief. You know, so like the traditional stages of grief are like shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression. I think everybody has Has like different ones. Like they all have different ones, but... I've always looked at the seven, but now I can only remember six. But yes, it's a secular concept, but also those are all feelings and emotions that scripture is full of prescription for. And so like somebody's going to walk out of your life and you're going to be in shock about it. Mm -hmm. Turn to Jesus with that and tell Jesus, what the heck? Mm -hmm. What is happening? Allow yourself to feel the fullness of denial. Hey, you can get angry about it. Just don't sin like we're talking about. You know, I think we've extricated anger and made it just this really ugly, sinful thing because so many people sin in their anger. Yeah. But anger isn't inherently sinful. Mm -hmm. And there are things that should anger us. And being honest with God is such a difficult thing, I think, for Christians. Like I yes. need to protect my prayer life as thank you, Lord, 
And yes, let us be thankful for the things that we have because even though we have those hard friendships, we do have beautiful ones as well and good relationships. But there's also a place of just communicating with God as a normal human being to your God. Like, hey, I feel like a normal human being. He foreknew your sin. He foreknew your personality. He foreknew you as a whole and knows every detail already. So have the ability, give yourself the freedom to communicate the frustration, the anger to God, because then you're not, like you said, stuffing it down yeah. which then creates resentment and not knowing how to manage and deal with your emotions. And then you base your life and your faith off of your feelings, which is very deceitful most of the yeah. time. You're going to get triggered again. Yes. And then you're going to have to like double deal. Yes. Whereas if you deal with it every time and you welcome God into it and you kind of trudge, you know, and he shoulders it with you and you trudge through it with him, mm-hmm. then like, you learn how the to process. Hard thing, yeah, like the yeah. next hard thing that happens, it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit, and I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's a little yeah. bit easier. And you, you're you teaching yourself to be honest with God and to turn to him with those things. Amen. Man, we could go on, huh? <laughs> I'm like, I could ask I seven it. more questions. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. I know my audience enjoys the real and the raw. And I know that's something that you bring to Confessions of a Crappy Christian too. So thanks for being willing to have this hard conversation. It's almost like not politically correct in the church to talk about the real stuff, but that is, think why God has given you this platform and the ability to share the truth and just for us to not shy away from the messy because the messy is so stinking real like day to day that we've become accustomed to just shying away from it and pretending like it doesn't exist, but that does not produce growth. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. And dealing with the hard and allowing the thorns, those people in our lives to challenge us to get on our knees. Like when I'm fighting with my husband, when I'm fighting with a friend, I'm on my face. And in those moments, I'm thankful that I'm on my face. I'm like, okay, Lord, thanks for allowing this. It sucks and it's hard, but also thanks for allowing this because you're sharpening and pruning and making me more like you, which is the purpose of my life. And so I want to continue utilizing the hard moments to grow closer to you rather than allowing it to detract from my faith and pull me further from you because that is just what use is that? As we close out, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, I hang out mostly on Instagram at the girl named Blake. And you can listen to my podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Confessions of a Crappy Christian. And then you can also find all the links to all the things at crappychristianco.com. You're a joy. You're Thank fun. You so much. This is so <laughs> You're fun. a firecracker. I love, this. <laughs> I love oh, your yeah. personality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Sure. Tell my husband that. <laughs> what Enneagram number is he? He is a one with a extraordinarily strong nine wing. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't meet a lot so, of ones or nines. I don't know yeah. why. Is it a rare number or have you met a lot? There are a lot of nines out there. A lot of nines really? out there. But I think we all attract different yeah, types. people. Yeah, that's true. So, okay. Yeah, my eight needs a lot of nine. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening. As usual, if you enjoyed this episode, please just take a screenshot of the episode and tag at Living Easy with Lindsay. I did change my Instagram name in case you guys haven't noticed that yet. Also, if you enjoy, share with friends and family. It's such a blessing. If you were encouraged by it and you know someone who might be as well, just send it their way to hopefully share some truth and scripture and much needed hope with them. So we love you guys and I'll talk to you next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.